Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. If you watch video of San Francisco police shooting Mario Woods back in 2015, you can understand why there's so much anger and so much emotion around the story. Oh my God, drop it! Drop it! (laughs) No one disputes that Mario Woods had a knife when police shot at him 26 times, or that he didn't respond to police who told him to drop the knife he was holding. But what has been disputed is why San Francisco police shot and killed Woods. I would say it launched, you know, a major reckoning that, that in some ways continues to this day. New court documents give us the most detailed look yet at the shooting that shook San Francisco. A judge will hear arguments on Wednesday from the city and from attorneys representing Mario Wood's mother, and then decide soon whether to move the case to trial. I'm Devin Katayama. Welcome to The Bay. This case was it was filed within like, you know, about a week of the shooting. So this case is almost three years old as well at this point. Alex Emsley covers criminal justice for KQED. He's been following the Mario Wood shooting since it happened on December 2nd, 2015. New at 11, an angry outburst at San Francisco police tonight as people in the community demand answers after the shooting death of a 26-year-old man. Mario Woods was a suspect in a stabbing on Wednesday. Officers later found him holding a six-inch knife. And one of the officer cuts off his ability to move in that direction. He appears to go at the officer, and then the shots are fired. Multiple officers fired a barrage of bullets, killing Woods, all captured on cell phone video. Shortly after the shooting, the mother of Mario Woods, Gwendolyn Woods, filed a civil rights lawsuit. Right now, that civil case is facing sort of its last major test before it will proceed to trial. Up until this point, what's been the narrative about what led police to shoot Mario Woods? So that's always been described in a very kind of simple way, really that Mario Woods came up to some stranger on the street, started attacking him, and stabbed him. And what we're seeing in the, as this testimony starts to come out in, this, in the civil case is that the picture is a little bit more nuanced than that. It's a little bit more complicated. Alex reviewed hundreds of new pages of depositions and court documents, and he's going to help us learn more about two crucial points in the story. The first is an interaction Woods had with a man named Marcel Gardner earlier in the afternoon before Woods is shot. It starts a chain of events. 
This is about, uh, I don't know, approximately an hour and a half before the shooting. The timeline's not incredibly clear, but sometime in the mid-afternoon, Mario Woods is is uh, uh, standing in some driveway in the southern part of the San Francisco's Bayview District. This guy, Marcel Shepard Gardner, met a couple of ladies on the street. They get in his car and they drive away. They go to Burger King. They come back short time later. They see Mario Woods standing on the street, you know, in a driveway. Do they know each other? Gardner said he had seen Woods in that spot, standing at that spot a couple of times before, but had never spoken to him. Uh, They don't know each other. At some point, Mario Woods approaches the car. An altercation is brewing here. Mario Woods is uh, uh, banging on his car window, and Marcel uh, uh, Shepard Gardner, he decides to get out of the car. Gardner gave conflicting statements about what actually happened. What we do know is that Gardner and Woods fought, and Woods stabbed Gardner in the arm. Gardner said, you know, he wasn't going to basically be backed down. He wasn't going to bow down to somebody challenging him right out in front of the house, you know, where he lived. He also said that these ladies he was with were kind of egging him on, that they wanted to see a fight. Hmm. And he thought he could take him on. This incident has always been described by the city that this was sort of a random, violent assault. Someone who had committed a violent, deadly assault prior. When you read the deposition, you get more of a picture of kind of mutual combat. Marcel Gardner even even said, you know, who started this fight? He says the male ego started this fight. Why is this significant to the civil case? I think it's context, but in the end... What the jury is really going to be considering is what was in the officers' minds at the moment that they chose to shoot. Part of what was in the officers' minds at the moment that they chose to shoot was that Mario Woods had committed a a violent felony hours before. Some of the officers, uh, SFPD Sergeant John Crudo, currently assigned to uh, the training division, talked at at a recent presentation about the investigation into the shooting. Officer involved shooting 15-0-10. That several of the officers believed that that Gardner may have died, that there was a a fatal stabbing that had happened. He stabbed somebody, sent them to the hospital, stabbed them. uh, uh, Several of the officers believed that he had killed someone. He was not allowed, to, not allowed to leave in an area that was highly congested by people. So the officers used the, the concepts of time and space, it was determined, to the degree that they had time and space. So that's part of the sort of calculus that is in an officer's mind. And it's also part of the legal standard, too. Part of what a judge or a jury will weigh as to whether this was a, a legal use of force has to do with you know, the crime that a person was suspected of when when the officers are confronting him. The shooting got a lot of attention because it was caught on video. But there was more than one video taken, and the court documents describe a new video. This new video was taken by a a former uh, Muni bus driver who was waiting at that bus stop to basically start his shift. And the plaintiffs are saying, This video shows that the crowd was actually fairly far away and that there were other officers who may have been in between that area as well. I remember you telling me in in a conversation we had before how these videos are only as good as what they show. What do you think the takeaway is going to be for this video or what do you think it's going to serve to the case? 
the opposing sides are taking very different messages from this video. The city's kind of response to this is that, you know, it really doesn't illuminate too much more. Now, the plaintiffs say this video shows that the crowd that the officers were concerned about was actually uh, farther away than what it might have seemed from other perspectives, other videos that we've seen. And they also say that it shows Mario Woods start to change direction, start to basically back away right at the moment that the shots are fired. What do we know about who took that video and why it took them so long to come forward? It's a former Muni bus driver, um, and I don't want to use his name even though I think that that's going to come out at some point. But the reason that he says that he didn't come forward with this video, I think it was about two years after the shooting, was because he was afraid of retaliation. It's similar in some ways to the line that Marcel Gardner is trying to walk here. To me, that speaks a lot to how emotionally charged police shootings are. Um, whenever something happens like this, you're talking about ripples of, of effect that it has on people. The person most deeply affected by this is Gwendolyn Woods, Mario Woods' mother. Anyone saw that video and said it was okay, they were in their rights, there's no soul in you. There's no compassion or no decency, no moral compass, everything that this police department is. Her reaction to, a, to the lack of criminal charges, to the lack of you know, the officers having to face a criminal trial. I'm not okay with this gas gun. Personally, I'm very disturbed with the shootings and many other shootings. It's reprehensible what he did to Mario. I don't believe that they were necessary. It's like... Nevertheless, I'm duty-bound uh, by the laws is currently written. The, the 12th became December 2nd, 2015. And our conclusions and our investigations were driven by the law. He executed them all over again. Her reaction in this matter, and that was a, a few months ago in, in May, um, really describes how painful this has been for her. Not an agenda for me, this is my life. This is my life, God, this is my life. She has consistently been out front in trying to make sure that her son is not depicted as somebody who is less than human. Right. And there are some aspects of this case that I think kind of go in that, that that can be perceived as going in that direction. And don't give the sad part of Mario's mom. Give the part that I'm still going to fight for him. You'll never forget his name. Trust, you'll never forget his name. I will never let you forget his name. It was somebody. I know you've been covering this story since it happened in 2015. Is it getting the same attention that it got leading up to today? I, I don't I don't think it is. No, these cases stretch on for years and years. At some point, maybe there's some kind of a fatigue or it just is not as relevant as maybe it used to be. And that's true for for, you know, police shootings in general. I think the attention has kind of shifted away. 
it sounds like what I hear you saying is that as the story gets further away from the moment it happened, December 2015, that people are paying less attention. But this is also the time when we're getting closer to the truth. I think that you're going to get as close of a picture as you possibly could. As a society, we're going to decide not only what happened, but was it right or wrong, justified, lawful, illegal, unconstitutional, you know, a bunch of different words you could throw out about that. And and in the process of doing that, I think that it comes into a sharper relief. You get you you understand in greater detail. And I think that's important. It's important to kind of follow it through to see what what understanding we can get out of it in the end. Alex, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Judge William Oreck will hear arguments on Wednesday. And we'll decide soon whether the case will move to trial. If it does, the trial is expected to begin in April. Alex Emsley covers criminal justice for KQED. To see his reporting on the Mario Wood shooting, visit kqed.org. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you Friday. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.